Hello and welcome to Unabashed Book Snobbery, the podcast where we gush about George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire and shout down its shitty adaptation, Game of Thrones. This is where being a book snob is a good thing. Here with me is Julia. Hi, everyone. And we both write and manage edit for thefandamentals.com, for the fundamentals of fandom. Whereas exploring, exploring the fundamentals of fandom, that's it. Is that it? Yeah, that's that's the official tagline, or what I wrote on our Tumblr, so that makes it so, doesn't it? Okay. I didn't know manage edit was a verb, but that's okay too, I guess. Uh, so we are doing our usual thing where we time travel mm-hmm. for this podcast. So right now, Julia and I are recording this three days before Christmas, two days before the first night of Hanukkah, mm-hmm. and we have already published our Pornish retrospective. What did you think of it, Julia? I loved it. I love the title we came up with. Filaria's <laughs> Populist Uprising. Princess Filaria's Populist Uprising, because she's the princess now, just like the king of Uru. <laughs> and actually, that's the benefit of recording this introduction after we've already written it, because we realized there is a point that we did not hit on in this retrospective. Yeah. That we don't actually know if Filaria is the princess, and she is a sand. Yes. She's a bastard. Well, so like, how is the bastard the, the, ruling porn? The Dornish, not the Pornish, I don't know about them, but the Dornish have this kind of like very weird attitude towards bastards because in some way they're a lot less snobby than the Western Restros, and in other ways they seem to be a lot more snobby. Like, they're so snobby about bastards that people don't seem to worry about bastards like the way that Catelyn does, for example. <laughs> At the, at the same time, how do you do secession? Or it's the whole point that secession is just like out the window now, you know? Because mm, well, even, even if they're not snobby about it, there's still the practicality of, mm-hmm. God forbid, something happens to Princess Filaria, you know? Well, she has Tyene, I guess. I think what you mean to say is she has 10,000 brothers and sisters. <laughs> okay, so they go in birth order. It's fine. Um... <laughs> Well, we are really just jumping right into the deep end. So to back up for a second, mm-hmm. if you are just listening to our podcast for the first time or wow. you haven't listened to it in a while, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Julia and I write these retrospectives about every single Game of Thrones plotline uh, one at a time. And Porn, or our, you know, quirky nickname for Dorn, right? Mm-hmm is our fifth retrospective that we have written about season six. Wow. Out of nine. Nine? <laughs> out of nine. But we're more than halfway done. I mean, like, these retrospectives are going to take us as long as making a baby. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Okay. <laughs> My sister's due date is until July. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> We've got this. We, we, do. we, we do. We got this. And what, what happened right now, we already wrote it. But what mm-hmm. the rest of this podcast is going to be is us hashing it out, talking it out for the first time, and trying mm-hmm. to plan for the writing of it. So it's it's a little bit of wonky time traveling, but it's also a way to, uh, 
you know, kind of view this more as a conversation piece than if you want to just sit down and read an essay. Yes. Which you still should do. It's a good essay. Yes. And it's, it's a lot more structured than this conversation is. <laughs> We're actually very happy with it. Mm-hmm. I think. We always have a lot to say on this particular topic or this particular subtopic of a topic. Yeah. So, you know, the regular podcasts episode. Yeah, so the rest of this podcast, you know, we're going to explain the fandom nicknames. I guess we should explain porn, right? Yeah. Well, Which is- <laughs> it started way back in our Westeros.org days before season five came out. Like, this is when Kylie and I were first discovering that we were, you know, soulmates or whatever it is we are. And <laughs> this is when the first spoilers for season five came out. And, like, first it was, it became obvious that they cut Ariane Martell entirely uh-huh. out of the whole thing yeah and, that came out of comic-con i believe yeah it was right as book season four was basically well, this I, was I, when I had I these like insane hopes like to the last minute that like they didn't announce the casting and they didn't have a casting call because they had like you know casted somebody really big especially and they wanted to keep it a secret and they didn't have to do a casting call because like you know this was a huge casting coup for them but no they just cut the most important character out of the plot line it was fine <laughs> And so, like, and we had, they had, like, those, like, you know, introduction tapes, or they call them, for the Sand Snakes. And oh, my God. Just... When Tyene pulled out her double daggers, and she's and like, she's... I've been practicing, really like, like, hell you have. I mean, poor What's-Her-Face. I mean, like, she obviously had Rosalie. no idea, like. <laughs> Something. No, I mean, she clearly had, had no idea what yeah. the dialogue around Tyene was. Or, mm-hmm. or like, what the character like, was like in the source material. I don't blame the actors at all. Yeah, so once we, like, kind of got this inkling that Dorne was going to be a complete hot mess, um, <laughs> we started just, like, for fun, imagining ways that they could, like, D&Dify Dorne. And I think, I think Toby Sebastian's casting had come out, too. Yeah, and, like, it was obvious that they were going to, like, foreground the romance, quote-unquote, between Tristan and Rosella, which in the books is, like, he's 13 and she's, like, 10, so they literally just play board games. Like that's what they do. That's their romance. Um yeah, he's thirteen and she's ten. It's yeah. not it's not charged. No. Um so and one of the weird ideas we got was that they were going to make um like the water gardens really sexy because in the books the water gardens are filled with children, like swimming and playing, and Doran likes to watch them because they remind him of his responsibilities, basically. And so the idea we had was that, like, he would be, like, a sexy lifeguard and all the children <laughs> at the water gardens would be, like, grown naked women. Yeah, because at this point, I mean, you know, it was only season four that we had to go off of and three. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the first four seasons. But even so, the sex position was still pretty bad. Yeah. We didn't know what was going to come with no. the seven kinky gods. We, but seven we just, children. Yeah, but we called it porn because we just mm-hmm. had a feeling it would be a very, like, you know hedonistic focus and boy were we right well that was that like the hedonistic focus was kind of obvious from uh season four and the way they just talked about Dorne, just like we don't have the lifestyle you guys have down in Dorne, and the way Oberon lived in a brothel yeah yeah that too (laughs) Uh, actually look if you guys want to go into westeros.org history Mm -hmm. these came out of threads that joy and i started called did we start them I started the Dorn appreciation thread. Okay. And then that snowballed into the Dornish debates. Yes. Which was like our lives for a couple and months. And I'm pretty sure you made me start the Dornish appreciation thread. So Yeah, well cuz I started I started a thread called like uh guess your pairing's favorite sexual position. Oh god. <laughs> oh, god. I think that's like when we first kind of like 
became best buds. No, 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 no. Okay, so here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo, you should start this, and you did. And then I was in meetings all day. And then <laughs> I come out of my meetings, and it's been locked. And yeah. I'm, like, looking through the first five pages, and everyone is all, get a life. You shouldn't be talking about sex between characters. <laughs> like, what? I just remember, this, but this is when we were first starting to be like, hey, mm-hmm. let's talk more. <laughs> Like, basically, Julia and I were stalking each other <laughs> on the forum. You know, at this point, like, I don't even remember how it happened that, like, it really, really started, like, our whole, like, brand started, like, one March morning, I remember, <laughs> when you got, like, an anon asking, like, you know, what do you think D&D's, like, top mistakes were in terms of adaptation? And that turned into, like, yeah. Because basically, like, Julia made me reread the books. We did the Dorn mm-hmm. thing. We did the Ariane reread thing. So I started posting salt on Tumblr, like, beginning of January, I guess. Mm-hmm. Also when I was getting really into Tumblr because of my Legend of Korra blog getting big. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. It was, like, March. Yeah. And it was it just, was what do you think the, the top ten mistakes were? So I messaged Julia on Westeros.org messages. Yes. <laughs> And I said, hey, what do you think the top 10 mistakes were? And we started going back and forth. So then I like started writing it down in a Google Doc and I sent her the link. Mm-hmm. And then we started IMing in the Google Doc and like amazed we could talk to each other in real time. <laughs> and that was how we wrote Unabashed Book Snobbery number one, the, mm-hmm. the 10 worst adaptational decisions. Yes, it was in one, we wrote that in one day. Like we started at nine o'clock and we finished by five. Yeah. And uh, we, we didn't even really necessarily talk about it. We just started like jumping in, writing things that we'd like jump into something we had just written. It was really, I've never had that happen before. Yeah, it was, it was like destiny of some kind. It was kismet. Yes, kismet. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah, absolutely. Why are we talking about, oh, right, because you were talking about what porn means. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, us. Yeah. But now you know the history. So speaking of ranting about Game of Thrones, one of the advantages of us recording this torture, tortured introduction is that uh, we can also address anything new and breaking. And warning, we are going to discuss some filming spoilers for season seven, which we kind of avoid. Warning, they won't make anybody happy. (laughs) And warning, they're not going to relate to Song of Ice and Fire, so you really don't need to worry about them much. Yeah. But yeah, so basically, uh, do you want to explain what it is, Julia? The filming spoilers? Mm-hmm. Okay, so there are set photos that appear to be King's Landing. Um, and basically, like, it's some kind of, like, Euron victory parade thing, which involves Yara and Falaria and Tyene being led down the street on leashes. The street of Carol's Landing, Cheryl's Landing. Yes. They're all on leashes. Uh-huh. Women on top, yo. And, like, people are throwing... Corn husks at them. <laughs> corn husks. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever people throw at them. I mean, the corn cobs, I guess. The, I the husks they have aren't corn gonna... in Westeros. <laughs> corn, corn. Well, of course they do. No, well, like, corn is a generic term for any kind of grain. You obviously mean maize. They don't have maize. Even though, like, there is one point where. I don't know. Yeah, they do have corn. You know. They shouldn't. They really Julia... shouldn't have corn, but they do. You know. Yes, my darling. Sometimes your INT penis really hangs out. Okay. And it's indecent. It's indecent. So. Is it as indecent yeah. as having three women on leashes being led down the road? No, nothing's as indecent as that. So here's the thing. We also came to the conclusion in our 
podcast and in our retrospective, I think, in both areas, that we do think we are supposed to sympathize with the whole weak men aren't supposed to rule Dorne attitude. And Well, you're not a weak man. No, I know. Apparently. But that we're supposed to, in some level, side with Falaria. And we've gotten pushback on that because they're like, no, it's just like they're assholes, but Danny also needs their help. Which, how they're more assholes than Danny, I don't know. Except anybody. Yeah, I, I don't exactly know. But the thing about this is, it, is there basic humiliation that's coming up in season seven? First of all, doesn't that sort of throw out the possibility that this is really something Deadpan's going to have to grapple with? Like, oh, you know, I'm siding with these murderers. How how, how am I doing this? Like, no, they're just going to fucking... I, I'm pretty sure the spoilers say Doran's going to get porn, is going to get sacked, like, immediately. yeah. By Yaron. So will Yara, apparently. And Yara, I guess her her fleet's not going to be able to protect them. And then they're just, like, paraded into the streets and humiliated. Also, Yara having the same fate as Falaria and Tyene sort of indicates... Because we're definitely supposed to view Yara favorably, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that, was, our, that was our conclusion, too. That they just, like... Yeah don't get the implications of what they write. Yeah, well, I mean, with Yara, I understand not getting the implications. I think it's stupid, but I I get it. With Falaria and the Sandfix, I don't understand not getting what they overtly wrote with them stabbing their own family. Mm, but, but they were badass? I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know. Kylie. <laughs> is, maybe this is supposed to be moral ambiguity, or is this supposed to be like Nikki and Paolo in Lost, where this is some sort of like wish fulfillment for the audience? I mean... They're going about it a very odd way. Like, like, why did they draw it out an entire extra season? Is this a perversion of wish fulfillment, a la Martin and Cersei's Walk of Shame? I suppose it's possible. <laughs> Do you? I mean, like, you know, using the literal definition of the term possible, yeah. So then there you go. What a good <laughs> adaptation. <laughs> we are truly lucky. Yes. Yes, we are. Um, but yeah, with that hot shit out of the way, I guess we can do an awkward jump cut into the meat of the episode, right? Yes. So we're going to pick up explaining to the fandom nicknames as a warning. Julia and I can talk about Dorn for a good deal of time. So while this is not- If you'd like to know more, you can listen to our episode called Dornish Headcanon Hour. And if you'd like to know more about our Dornish headcanons, you can listen to the episode called Embarrass Your Favorite Canadian. You've embarrassed me all over again. <laughs> I know. I can hear it. <laughs> but my point is that uh, this might be more of a rambly episode. Mm-hmm. It's not bad, but it's rambly. <laughs> Just letting you know. That's our brand. Yes. Unabashed rambles. About snobbery. <laughs> and with that, we give you the jump cut. Anyway, uh, what are our other fandom nicknames? Uh, let's go in order of rank. We have uh, Prince Bashir, <laughs> Prince Doran. Yeah, uh, we, we might slip up and call him. Yeah, Alexander said he played a character on Star Trek called Dr. Bashir. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so one of the ways I stayed sane last year was pretending that this was all a holodeck program. Because Dr. Bashir was really into his holodeck programs. But it didn't really work, <laughs> unfortunately. I think, I'm sorry, I think the best part about the season was the interview that Alexander <laughs> Siddig gave afterwards. We can talk about it a little bit later. Yeah. <laughs> the guy is Prince Doran, and they just pissed him away on this one. Okay. Yeah. All right, he's, I guess we're going in terms of rank, the next is Princess Falaria, right? Yes. 
Well, I, I don't we, know. Like, we called her Falaria because she's full Ilaria. But now she's the princess, we think? Like, we it's think? Not clear. Or, is she, or is she, like, <laughs> Queen Falaria? Like, I don't and know. Did what's she legitimize herself? Is she Falaria Uller now? We don't know. <laughs> Was that even her father's name in the first place? We don't know. We that. don't know. <laughs> but she's princess, in charge. Princess Falaria Sand. Yeah, that's what we call her. And, and what, yeah. wait, does her daughter. Come next, or does it, just any of the sand snakes come next? Now that I think about it, because if she legitimized herself, does that mean Tyene is legitimized? She would have to legitimize Tyene too. So Tyene like is going to inherit over Obara and Nim. If they do, like you know, absolute primogeniture, then yeah. This feels like something that should have been discussed. <laughs> ne- next in rank as the monolith are the sand fakes. Oh, we forgot about uh, Tristane. Well. Okay, I guess, I guess he's next in rank, yeah. Yeah. Tristan Jonas, why not? Because he, he looks like a Jonas brother. <laughs> but no, <laughs> I, I, what I was going with, the sand fakes are yeah. his cousins. One of them is Falaria's daughter. Mm-hmm. And technically we had names Fobara, Femniria, or whatever, like. I, I, Fobara. Fobara kind of works, but Foyin just... doesn't really work, and I. We never had one for Nim. I just called her, like, Shonim. <laughs> she has, like, no... Like, even for a show sand snake, she has no characterization. So... You're a greedy bitch, you know that? Yeah. We'll probably just call them by their names. We might call Obara Barbara. <laughs> Although the transcript actually says Barbaro, like the horse. Because <laughs> of Why course... Not? Why not? And then we also have the sassy Dowager Sastris. Mm-hmm. Elena. We'll probably just call her Elena, but... Yeah, yeah, we always do. Yeah. Really, the only nickname I think we're going to use with any consistency is Falaria. Yeah, because we just, just, don't call her anything else. She's not Elaria, I'm sorry. No, not only is she not Elaria, she is as far away from the character as you could possibly be. Like, they're both female and they both have dark hair. That's about it. Oh, we'll probably be talking about the Lannisters, so you guys know, I hope, at this Mm -hmm. point, that we do call Cersei Lannister... Carol or Cheryl. As yeah, the she's last Cheryl episode. when she uh, is like you know her post transformation and Romulan right, outfit. Cher- right, Cheryl is when she's wearing the drum major uniform. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and then before that she's Carol, the struggling supermom, and her brother lover is Larry. Yes. So we're they're likely to come up, mm-hmm. which is why I say it. And then Shoburin instead of Oberyn. Yes, you know, like you know, we thought that he was a di- divergent character, and then the rest of this plotline happened. <laughs> yeah, the more I think about it, I'm like, no, that's actually pretty close to Oberyn. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> all things he was a little it. sex obsessed, but <laughs> a little. He lived in a brothel. <laughs> I mean, because like the actual Oberyn is sex obsessed, but he's like functional, you know. <laughs> Can you imagine if Lori were alive to see her son <laughs> living in a brothel? Uh, keep reading, guys. Keep reading. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I'm so sorry. We're like really dragging our feet because we don't know what to do with this plotline. Yeah, well, let's start uh, before the plotline. Let's talk about the opening sequence. I think we've been mentioning this kind of like on and off in a salty manner since last year. But um, if for some odd reason you're listening to this show and you've never seen the opening sequence of Game of Thrones, it's actually lovely. Uh, at this point, it's the best part of the show, in my opinion. But uh, what it does is, is it kind of like it has this like flying camera thing that swoops into different locations that like that particular episode is going to take place. So like, you know, it, usually it starts in, uh, you know, Carol's Landing and it has this kind of like mechanized thing where the buildings kind of pop. It's lovely. And then like it goes north up to Winterfell, for example. I'll or, be honest, that's, that's what sold me to keep watching the show. Yeah. 
Or go, like, across the narrow sea to, like, Marine or whatever. Or Bravo Sea. Yeah, and there's always, like, it's always labeled, like, the name of the place. So, like, you know, King's Landing, The Wall, Marine. Mm-hmm. But this Pike, for example, uh, on the Iron Islands. But for some reason, when they decided to go to porn, they didn't label the location the Water Gardens or Sunspear or, like, any of the actual named physical locations that they've actually named on the show. They just labeled, labeled it Dorn. Just, just like Dorn, the entire country. And all we see of Dorn, we see like a desert mm-hmm. and a Bed Bath and Beyond tent. Yeah, we see a lovely Irish countryside. Yes, and then we see the water gardens, and that's all we're ever shown of it, too. Yeah. So the idea that Dorn is just like this, like it's a city or something. Yeah, or, I, I don't it, even. It's like a palace. Yeah, Dorn is yeah. like a very like it's it's. Not the largest of the kingdoms, because all these kingdoms are ginormous, but, like, we we estimated, I think, on the Westeros form that it's, like, the size of Peru. Yeah. So, it's not an unsubstantial chunk of land, and no, it has quite a bit of, like, you know, diversity in terms of landscape. Like, you know, there's mountains, there's deserts, and, like... There's a, there's a lot of Dornish. Yeah, there's a lot, yeah. And, like, some Dornish people are blonde, and some, like, are dark, like, darker skinned, darker haired, and, like, it's not a monolith. Yeah, there's enough diversity where the Westerosi came up with three quote-unquote races. Yeah, so... <laughs> but, like, they, even they did, even, like, you know, Maester uh, Yandel did a better job mm-hmm. with, like, <laughs> diversity than D&D. Yeah. Join us a little bit of our, like, I'm not sure if we have a lot of new listeners since we started uh, posting this feed on the fundamentals, but um, in case you don't know, Dorn is kind of mine and Kylie's thing. It's, we actually yeah. have a uh, podcast episode called Dornish Headcount an Hour, which yeah. is all about the books, and yeah. it, that's more than you've ever wanted to hear us talk about Dorn. Yeah. <laughs> I can promise you that. So this episode, um, you know, this is a plotline that's very, very near and dear to our hearts mm-hmm. for a number of reasons. It's not just because, like, well... You've got a Jew and a, a Pole recording an episode, so we're going to kind of have a very strong relation mm-hmm. to Dorn anyway. But, you know, th- in addition to that, it also is the plotline with our favorite character, Ariane Martel. Yeah. And maybe our favorite plotline in any book we've ever read. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, like every time you read it, you kind of like it more because there's just more to it every time. But, like, yeah. I don't like the opening sequence is kind of, like, very indicative of the way they approach Dorn as a whole. Well... As is that quote where they said that Dorn is their Brazil. Yeah, I mean we've both we've both written quite extensively on this, and we'll link all of those pieces. But, oh my god! Uh, yeah, uh, if anyone has ever read any uh, Edward Said, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> the important thing to know is that in season five, when they were adapting porn, mm-hmm. they took the Westerosi stereotype that all the Dornish do is fight and fuck, mm-hmm. and they adapted it at face value. Yeah, so that all the Dornish do is fight and fuck. Yes. And, and that's that's that. Yeah, I mean that that that's it in a nutshell. That's yeah. yeah and they're, they like, don't understand POV bias. <laughs> they're all monolithic with the same yeah. accent, the same garb, the same interests. That's just that's yeah. Dorn. And then there's no one in the water gardens except for like Prince Bashir and his family. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, um, the thing about the water gardens is that um, it's full of like children. Basically, it's like the Dornish. Aristocratic daycare. Um, hey, where... did we have a did we have a name for Hota? Did we, we didn't go like Shota or anything? We didn't. I yeah. know there's not much to say about him. Well, you can call him just... Shota. That's that's this clever. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just yeah. throwing well, it out. Basically, like like kids from all over Dorn come 
to the water gardens, like, to be raised together to, to be, like, wards of the prince, which is, like, you know, a huge honor. And, um, like, it's, it's aristocratic kids, but it's also, like, kids from other, like, uh, other backgrounds as well. And it's kind of like this, it's used as a symbol for, like, you know, the people of the country and the responsibility that the prince has towards them. And because when all the kids are naked, you can't tell yeah. who's noble and who's lowborn. Yeah, because they're, they're, so they're, maybe... they're, they swim in the fountains naked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not in a, like, creepy Dorna's, I, I hate those yeah. theories. Not in a creepy way. Just like yeah. kids play naked because it's hot. Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, the point that we were trying to make is that D&D sort of did a a very minimalist adaptation mm-hmm. in the sense of like they gave us a climate that was hot yeah. and some people talking with accents that are based on how uh Pedro Pascal did his Oberon accent which, which was based, based on, on his father's accent right yeah. but we, and they all suck no one at else it. has, it's, I mean uh, Alexander Siddings has by far the best of this accent, and his isn't even that good. So <laughs> no, I mean it was it was an accent that really really enhanced Pedro Pascal's performance. I think, uh, but you know I could have done without it, but it certainly didn't hurt his performance in any way. It didn't hurt his performance, and it was something that for the actor it made sense, but for yeah. like everyone else, um... <laughs> I mean, like and even then... in season four, he did not need the accent to help the writers other Dorn, you know. So <laughs> no, no, not at all, but. Um, you, you know, it's so strange because it's only described in the book as a drawl. Yeah, I mean, and the way that it, it sounds, like... it sounds more Welsh than anything, <laughs> to tell you the yeah. truth, which is not inappropriate. Like, like you know, there's there's Dorn parts of Dorne that resemble Wales, Wales physically, and like the history of Dorne is very has a Very lot of similarities yeah. to the history of of uh, Wales, which George R. R. Martin has acknowledged actually. Yeah, absolutely. Like Dorne is like the... if if like. Like southern Spain and like Lebanon and Wales had some kind of like you know bastard child. That's what Dorne is like in terms oh, of like international character and things like that. <laughs> what we have to talk about this? Yeah, we do. We have to fill up like more than ten minutes, so you know we gotta go. <laughs> There's literally two scenes. Well, three. One of them is like a half scene. The, the overarching point we we're trying to make mm-hmm. with this very rambling introduction is that there's a lot to Dorn, and mm-hmm. none of it made it to the screen. No, but on the other hand, they spent a shitload of money shooting on location, and like they obviously but, threw a lot of money into that. And yeah, it's, and it's uh, weird to me. And you know, I'm sorry. I would have rather they did that fight scene from last year with a green screen in a parking lot. Mm-hmm. Like, that was so bad. Oh my god. I mean, their excuse was that they didn't have enough money, uh, not time to rehearse, right? Right. Well, that's what happens when you insist on shooting in a landmark. Okay. <laughs> I can't! Alright, so, scene number one. In the first episode, The Red Woman, <laughs> which is the, like, best episode ever. Wait, um, wait, 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 Julia. We just have to give, I'm sorry, we have to give very quick background. At the end of season five, what happened was that Larry came down to Dorne to get mm-hmm. Marcella back, and Prince... Bashir was like, okay, cool. Here you go. Here's Marcella. How about some soup? And then the Elaria, oh, and Elaria and the Sandfakes had tried to like kill her. And then they for revenge for Oberyn's death, which makes all the sense. Rather than killing Larry. Yeah. They tried to kill her. And so then, uh, Bashir was like, yo, get in line for Laria. And she's like, I'm sorry. But then in the very last scene of, uh, Marcella sailing off with Prince Tristane Jonas and Larry. Like, they're all going to King's Landing together. Mm-hmm. And Filaria kills Marcella. It makes all the sense Marce- to send your air like that. Yeah, and Filaria um, kills Marcella by making out with her with, like, poison lipstick. Yeah. So that's 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 where we left off. So as far as 
Bashir knows right now. He just sent his son and Larry and Marcella yeah, off. Yeah, because the timeline is time. very confused. We think this is right after that, or like a few hours after that. No, no, no. It has to be. I think. Okay, again, this comes back to when did Larry send the letter? Yeah. So timeline, we have no idea when this is, but whatever. It's, bef- <laughs> it's like Marcella's already dead, but Bashir hasn't gotten the information yet. Yeah. So okay, and so that he thinks like Falaria is cool. Right but now. this is after Larry has shown up in Cheryl's Landing with her body. Because that happened right near the beginning of the episode. Yeah, but, like, news hasn't traveled <sighs> yet. This, this time it just does not get any better. Okay, so... Just discard this. <laughs> okay, so Prince Bashir and Falaria are strolling through the water gardens because Prince Bashir can walk now. Um, and he's just kind of waxing lyrical about his brother Shobrin and how jealous he was of all his tox- toxically masculine traits. You know, he truly lived because he traveled the world and he, he fucked all the women. And then Falaria disapproves of his bi erasure, which is like... She's like, and men. And he's like, yes, and men. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, basically, they're just like chilling at home and kind of like bonding as a family, I guess. Is that what they're doing? Sure. Yeah. He is leaning on her for support. Yeah. So he is like hobbled, but... No, it yeah. looks like he, like, twisted his ankle, you know? Not like he has debilitating gout in all his joints, but whatever. Well, it definitely doesn't look like that, no. Uh, I mean, like, a book door, and he stood up once to give Ariana a kiss on the cheek, and it was, like, the hugest deal ever, so. It made her cry. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> this is what happens to me and Julia when we talk about this. <laughs> this is going to be so bad. Um... I guess bi-erasure Filaria, like anti-bi-erasure Filaria is kind of, this is like the closest thing to kind of complain yeah. enough, right? Like, I mean, like the like, Dornish aren't like assertive about their like, you know, allyship or whatever. They're just kind of like, that's how we do it. And you, we think you're weird that you don't. Yeah, but, but more like it's a, it's a nice family moment, yeah. I guess. And for some reason, Doran wishes he could have been traveling and fighting and fucking, but he was born to rule. With, mm-hmm. The quote is, I was born to rule. Yeah, well, exactly. Oberyn was born to be an adventurer and I was born to rule, which, you know, and was. Like, but, you know. Alexander's delivery is very much like, oh, this is my burden. But the words are very much like Cersei. Well, that, that was actually um very close to one of her lines in the books where she's like, I was born for this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so so I, don't, I don't know what's going on at all. And um, so, like, Falaria, like, talks about how that was a good idea because Oberyn would have been shit at ruling. And Dor- uh, Prince Bashir would have been shit at being an adventurer. And uh, the accents, guys. Uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, the she, master... I, mean, she, like, I just don't get it, because Indira Varma is a good actor. She's a very good actor. So I just don't understand. Like, who's coaching these people? Like, I don't, is it supposed to be like a vaguely Hispanic-esque accent? Because it doesn't sound like that anymore. It just sounds like some kind of like weird thing you do with your voice, you know? I... I have no idea what it's supposed to be. Mm. Anyway, uh, so the maester shows up, and presumably this is the maester that charges you money for sending ravens. <laughs> <laughs> right, the shyster maester. <laughs> and like, he has, like, a raven scroll, or whatever it's called, and, and he's he like... Ha- he hands it to Bashir, and instantly, like, Falaria and Tain lock eyes and do the, like, shifty eyeball thing. Yeah, well, I guess they were expecting... I mean, if if this is just a couple of hours after... The scene from the last episode, like I, no, that, makes sense that co- they would be no. waiting for it. I mean, it makes sense that they would get the news right away, right? It doesn't make sense that it's only a couple hours after the book because, like, Larry already got to King's I Landing know it makes no show. sense, my dear, but like, 
I don't, like, the only thing you can do, like, to make any kind of sense, like, the only honeypot you can have is just say that, like, these plot lines aren't supposed to no, be happening but, concurrently. No, 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 no. Actually, we know for a fact, like, when it shows the sand fakes on Tristan's ship, mm-hmm. he's already docked offshore at King's Landing. Yeah. So, this Maybe that was, like, months after this first scene, you know? Like, that's what people would say, I think, if they really want to defend this. This and is ridiculous. It's really sloppy, at the least. Because, like, the, in the in the books, the plot lines don't always line up in terms of time. Like, uh, in the uh, in the first book, uh, all of Daenerys' chapters took place, like, like um, the chapter where she got married to Caldrogo took place, like, six months before the first chapter, which was a brand chapter yeah. when uh, King Robert arrived at Winterfell. Yeah, so, but this is the visual medium. Yeah. And the way that they cut this together, like, they have, you know, Larry at King's Landing, mm-hmm. Prince Bashir getting stabbed, spoiler, sorry, then <laughs> Tristane getting stabbed at King's Landing. So, like, it's it's not, it's sandwiched in between this. Yeah, I know, but, like, so, so are the chapters in... Uh, in a Game of Thrones, right? But, like... I think we're supposed to assume Larry waited to send a raven, though. I think so. In which case, how did uh, Falaria and Tyene know what this is? Because uh, I'm assuming Doran gets a lot of mail. Yeah, he probably does. I don't... But, like, the smirk on... What's the actor who plays Tyene? What's her name? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's Jessica She's... something something, right? No, 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 no. No, that's... That's, um... You're thinking of Nim. Okay, because I remember Keshel Castle uh, Hughes because she's so much better than this. Rosabelle Laurenti oh. Sellers. Yeah, I knew it was a hyphenated name. Um, she has this like smirk thing going on, which drives me insane. <laughs> Just, ah. My mom, my mom was actually really funny. She doesn't watch the show anymore, mm-hmm. but I showed her a picture of Tyene last year. And she's like, "Oh my god, she looks like she should be at the King of Prussia Ball right now." <laughs> That's my Absolutely. favorite mom, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Julia's fascinated by the existence of King of Prussia. What kind of name for a census designated area is that? King of Prussia. My brother used to joke that there's uh, there's there's two sections of the King of Prussia Mall. Uh-huh. Well, three, technically. The Plaza of the Court. No one talks about the pavilion. And my brother used to joke that there was a king of a court. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd like live in the mall. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Namiria's actor, just so we can round this out, that's Jessica Henwick that you're thinking of. And she's yeah. in um, Star Wars now. And her career is actually really kind of taking off. And she's a very thoughtful, lovely person. So. Yes, so she is. But no, Rosabelle Laurenti Sellers is the one with the smirks. Yeah. Um, okay, so Dor- uh, what are we talking about? Prince Bashir. He's all upset that Rosella's dead and a little bit shocked. So he looks up at Ilaria. And- yeah, he has no poker face at all. No. He's just like, what? And the first thing she does is like remove a knife from her jewelry and just like <laughs> stab him in the chest. And then oh, Tyene takes out this tiny, tiny little knife and she's Stab Shota in the back. And this is, like, a big dude. Like, this is a big yeah. dude. And, like, yeah. wide, you know? Like, this is a well-built man. And she just stabs him in the back and he drops the dead, like, In instantly. the back, by the way. In the back, yes, of course. I mean... I think the honeypot is that she had poison on it, right? And it killed him instantly? Yeah. Okay, Unlike sure. the butter-activated poison, this is much better poison this time. Okay, well, okay. If it's much better poison. And... So while uh, while this is happening, the guards, there's like tons of guards. There's like a dozen of them. It's ridiculous. Why doesn't they need so many guards? Just to- they're they're literally not even flinching. Yeah, they, like, I mean, just, they they may have been mannequins. Yeah, it's it's, it's like it's a mannequin really challenge. Well, they're blinking. Yeah, yeah. 
But, I mean, they they don't even give each other a look like, should we do something? They just stand there. They yeah. just stand there. The, the implication is supposed to be this was all pre-planned and she has popular support, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And Tyene also kills the maester who started to run away. Oh, right. The Theban maester. What was the maester doing? Uh, I mean, the maester would have to, like, you know, maesters, like, when you kill the previous owner of the castle, like, he has to work for you now. Like, he's bound to the castle, not to the person who rules it. Well, he started to run away, so yeah. they killed him. Like, and there was no reason for them to kill the maester, is my point. Um, anyway, despite Hota dying instantly, uh, Bashir is, like, taking a little Yeah, and he gets time, stabbed, right? like, in the chest. Which, <laughs> you know. So, while he's dying, Falaria is, like, monologuing at him about how, like, he's not in touch with his people, and his people all hate him, and he's too weak to be Dornish. You're not a Dornish man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to read uh, the whole thing? <laughs> I, I just... I, I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, yeah, you, you don't know your own people. Mm-hmm. And then he finally goes, where's my... Like, what about my son? Yeah. Because he realizes, you know, this is going to be bad. Yeah. And of course and, he thinks of his son first. And Flaria says, your son is weak just like you. Yeah. And weak men will never ru- rule Dorne again. And, like, I, I was thinking about this while we were, uh, while we were doing these notes. And I was trying to, like, seal man everything in terms of, like, canon compliance. And, like, Doran's has his head in his, in the sand a lot. Like, that's kind of his defining character trait. Um, and, like, there, there are some, like, kind of, like, you know, popular objection to his decisions. Like, people pe- pelt him with oranges when he comes into Sunsphere and things like that. And, but, like, he's definitely not unaware of this and he, he like has all of his like bannermen on really short leashes and everything like that and just no and it deserves to kind of like are they framing this as like a populist thing they they are and what's interesting about book dorn mm-hmm. is that you know it kind of the way it sort of feels like a little bit is that the lords are very very loyal to doran mm-hmm. and the popular like the the people the commoners the younger generation are very loyal to Arianne. Yeah. And to Oberyn. Yeah. So, like, you just kind of get a feeling that there's a little bit more unity for that reason, because Arianne and Doran, spoiler, are on the same side. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, they kind of are framing it like a populist thing. Yeah. Which... It, all the guards did not do a mm-hmm. single thing. That's just, I mean, what was Hota training them to do? I, like, remember when Doran asked Hota if all his guards were with him, and he said, yes, absolutely. Yes, because yeah. because that, that's the thing, and, and that's the thing. Like you know, Doran knew to ask that question. Also, yeah. I mean, in the show, that question never was asked. I don't yeah. think Hota said three words because they never arrested the Zanfakes. <laughs> I don't know what Hota did actually <laughs> until they actually tried to kidnap the princess. <laughs> he just stood there so Alaria could say that she's going to shove the spear up his ass. Yeah, or, or the axe up his ass. I mean, the, he said like. Like, I know how to use my axe or whatever at that one point, remember? But on a related note, like, Indira Pharma has this, like, sound going on. Where she's like... What? Like... She's, like, she's like dismissive. Like, yeah. It's the most annoying sound. Just... I hate it. Yeah. I mean, I, I still... When I think Falaria, the the only line I hear in my head is one finger at a time. <laughs> so, I mean, in the scope of things, I don't think I noticed the... Pfft. Ugh. Just saying. The one I always remember is that I have 10,000 brothers and sisters. (laughs) (laughs) 
But uh, to say something nice about this scene, like the blood effects on Prince Bashir are kind of awesome. Like he has like the blood spouty thing out of his chest. It's very nice. Someone did good work there. Um, but yeah, the thing that really pisses me off about this scene as like, you know, a Dornstan is that the part at the beginning where Prince Bashir is like trying to be nice with Valeria kind of sort of reminds me of like the dynamic in The Watcher and like Arya's trying to make a joke and them laughing together and just like, stop it. I think the, the thing that pisses me off in this scene is that now there's people on the forums that say Arya's going to do something similar to Doran. Yeah, that's... The least, like, that would be the most surprising thing to happen in all the series, <laughs> including the Red Wedding. <laughs> I would, like, Howland Reed is the high sept in this mm-hmm. movie, likelier, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, we don't want to say it's impossible because that's just, like, against our religion or something, but... Anyway, yeah. happening at the same time or five months later or something, <laughs> just off of the shores of Carol's Landing mm-hmm. is the boat where Larry left... Technically, it's a ship. Okay. I don't know the differences either. Larry left the heir to Dorne Mm -hmm. and the future husband to, you know, the king's sister. Mm -hmm. Although she's dead, but still. He he left a very, very important political figure on a ship. And a counselor. He was supposed to be on the small council. Yeah. 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 So he left this guy on a ship with nothing to do but paint the dead eyeballs. Yeah. Or he he wanted to paint them for Macella? Like, I don't even know... Yeah, well, he's, like, really upset because he doesn't want to eat any food. So he's painting eyeballs. Yeah. I mean, like, his girlfriend did just die, or she died five months ago. Um, so he's upset. <laughs> That's reasonable. And so... If she died the second they left. It's a... The, um... Why didn't Larry turn the boat around? I don't get this. Anyway, so a door opens, and two of the sand fakes come in, uh, of our and Nim. And... They say, we're not here to feed you, we're here to kill you. Which I believe was nominated for Carol Award. Yeah, it was. <laughs> well, because you, you have to understand the delivery. Because Tristan's like, I'm not hungry. <laughs> they go, we are not here to feed you. We are here to kill you. I swear, the accent does sound this bad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and they just say it so, like... Smirky? So- like, like... Like, if you thought, like, Tyene's smirk was annoying, these these women are, like, smirking. Like, ugh. Oh, God. So... So the $10 million the- question is, how the fuck are they here? Like, even if you accept the provinces of the plotline, it doesn't make it much better. Like, like, did they travel overland and then, like, swim to the ship from the shore? Did they stow away on the ship with nobody seeing them? How did they get on the ship, like... Nothing about their presence makes any kind of sense, and there's no way to resolve it in any way that makes any sense. Right, because, you know, they said, we saw them say goodbye to the ship! Yeah! Did they, like, what did they do? Did they have a submarine? I I think we're supposed to think that they, like, traveled, like, you know, through, like, the Boneway or whatever. Did they beat the ship there? I I don't know, maybe the ship, like, stopped for a tour of the the Free Cities or something? I don't know. There is no way their presence on this ship can make any yeah, sense. Like, it's just not. Like, at any any possible solution just, like, it's not even more like, it's not, it's not even like they were in their outfits ready to go onto the ship. Yeah. Like, Nim was wearing a pink puffy party dress. Yeah. So, and Obara has this, go- like, armor skirt thing going on. It's kind of cool. <laughs> so, so, like, they would have had to change into their boob armor yeah. and hitch a ride. I don't even know. I don't even know. It anyway, uh, Jessica Henwick decides to ask Tristan Jonas 
hey, you know, do you want to fight me or her? To the death. Meaning. What? To the death. Like, she's like, who do you want to kill you is what she says. Yeah, he says, you're your family. I don't want to hurt you. Yeah, because kinsling is a taboo in this society. Did you know that? Also, like, even if it's not a taboo, why the fuck do you want to kill your family? Yeah. I don't think, like, really don't like each other, I guess. I mean. It's not an extra taboo in our society, but we're not walking around killing people. I mean, it it would be seen as, like, you know, especially egregious to kill your close family members. But, like, yeah, it's not, like, you know, the one unforgivable sin. But, like, because the Martells are, like, really tight-knit. So, like. (laughs) But, no, they just keep, like, fucking smirking at him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no answer. So, fortunately for Tristane, his cutlass is right there, mm-hmm, as always. Yeah, he would never be without his cutlass, because that's Tristane Amiris Martel. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at my Tristane. <laughs> He's, like, curled up. He, I put, um, I have a coffee table that has, like, a lower shelf underneath it, mm-hmm. so I put, like, a comforter under it, and he's curled up on it. Aww. Yeah. That's more like the book, Trist. I swear. <laughs> well, you never see him. <laughs> <laughs> the punk. No, and so he cho- he chooses to kill Jessica Hedwick because mm-hmm. she has a whip, I guess. So I don't know. Yeah, and she's annoying. So, so then he's like, so like they agree that they're gonna have like a one on one battle. So what he does is he like walks directly in front of Obara, like turns his back, so he's like, you know, back to her. She's directly behind him, and before he and him can engage, Obara like stabs him through the head with her spear. Yep, from the back. And Jessica Henwick goes, you really are a greedy bitch, you know that? And Kesha Castle Hughes smirks. Yeah. She's got this, like, one dangly earring thing going on. It's pretty on point. But, like, this is, like, the least chivalric thing ever. Just, like, (laughs) this is is worse than what, like, Jamie did to Eris. Like, it's just, like... This is worse than what Howland did to Dominator. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna have to talk about that next. In January, we're doing one of these a month is our plan, so. Uh, and that's it. That's the scene. They leave. <laughs> and then we don't see them for nine episodes. And Julie and I were convinced, by the way, during the show's mm-hmm. run, that this was it. we weren't going to see porn again. Yeah, this was this was their, like, you know, burning that bridge. Because it was so... And, and it was kind of flipping off their haters, too. Because yeah. it's like, you didn't like the Sand Snakes? Well, they won. Yeah. <laughs> And then, like, walking... Like, we just yeah. assume that that's... The only mention they even get is Larry mentioning them once during one of the small council meetings. That, like, maybe we should talk about the fact that a bunch of crazy women have taken over one of their kingdoms. <laughs> maybe? Like, Carol can't be bothered. Carol can't be bothered. She's too busy trying to, like, convince Olena to march a joint army against the Sept, like, every other day. Mm-hmm. So her schedule is full. Yeah. So, yeah, like, we don't, like, hear or see them until the very last episode, The Winds of Winter Fuck You. Yes. That's the official episode title mm-hmm. for anyone wondering. And, uh, oh, God, I don't even know how to talk about this. Okay, so this is okay. right after, like, this is, like, very, very soon after in the episode, actually. Um, uh, Cheryl blows up the Sept of Baylor with all of the Tyrells, every single member of the Faith Militant, and mm-hmm. her uncle in there. <laughs> I'm quite sure as many Lannisters died, actually, as Tyrells in that explosion, but whatever. Yet somehow people still turned up to her coronation. Mm. Uh, yeah, and, and the thing is, I think the lead into the scene was a deadpan scene, right? And it was, like, to answer the question of what happened to Varys. Am I right about that, or am I wrong about that? Um, this scene leads into a deadpan scene. It, like, crossfades oh. into deadpan. Oh, there, right, there might have been a deadpan scene before there. I don't, I don't remember. 
God damn. No, no, the red, scene right before is the one where um, John and Sansa are kissing. Uh, he kisses her forehead. Um, right. And they right, talk about some, how just, how just winter's here. Yeah. Yeah, so just fades, boom, we're at the water garden. Yeah, and Elena is um, reasonably upset that her entire family has just been murdered. And she's wearing all black, yeah. so she's grieving. Yeah, which is, again, reasonable. We have no idea how much time has passed. Yeah. I can't emphasize this point enough. I mean, um, traveling from High Garden, where she probably was, to Sunspear would take, like, months. Like, two months would probably be generous. Right? Y- yes? I mean, depending, like, on, like, if it was, like, you know, a lone rider with, like, a fast horse, it could probably do, like, a week or two, but, like, she's an old lady, so <laughs> she has to travel with a retinue and things like that, so, like, yeah. The- yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Okay, so, I'm, I'm just trying to remember, they're basically there, and Elena's sort of um providing context for the Tyrell Martell hostilities mm-hmm. and just saying like oh the last time a Tyrell came here to Dorne you guys killed him with a bunch of scorpions yeah which there hasn't been a single Tyrell in Dorne for 150 years apparently then also you're not a Ty- you're not a Tyrell Elena <laughs> you are not a Tyrell at all no but she is trying to like yeah. preserve the Tyrell legacy mm-hmm. to be fair and and the you know the the liege lords of the reach yeah. or were i don't know who is now um, but, so she kind of is expositing about that. And Obara is actually kind of, like, nicely pointing out, we need your help and you need our help. That's yeah. why you're here. <laughs> yeah, well, she's just, like, you know, going off on this, like, racist rant. And, like, the fakes are all like, um, can we do our job, please? Because yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, the Tyrell that they killed, that was, like, when they were being actively subjugated after a conquering. Yeah. And this guy was being horrible to their people. And this was, like, um, the opening salvo of a rebellion to reestablish her independence, which succeeded. Yeah. So, <laughs> There's yes. a fly in my smoothie. Spit okay. it out, you wee bastards! <laughs> Spit it out! That land's better in Westfield. <laughs> Whatever. Masada was way funnier. <laughs> and so Elena, like, is just being a giant asshole. She calls her, she calls, she's she's like, what's your name again? Barbara? <laughs> Barbara? I can't even. And tell. then, like, Nim apologizes for her sister's, like, you know, Babaroness. And so she tells, she, she literally says, shut up, dear. Let the grown women speak. And then she just looks at Tain and she's like, you don't have anything to say, <laughs> right? And I can't tell if this is supposed to be, like, audience wish fulfillment because everyone hates the fakes. Yeah. But, like, but, Nim was actually being 100% reasonable. Um, Oprah was. Oprah was being, like, were. at least 90% reasonable. I mean, like, her manner was wasn't super there. nice, but, like. Tyne wasn't doing anything. She was just sitting there, like, picking her nails. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Falaria doesn't seem to give a shit. She's really focused. Mm-hmm. She's just like, okay, shave them, whatever. Yeah, and, uh. They talk about how the Lannisters have declared war on them, which I don't think is a literal war that they declared. And like, I, I don't, it, it, it's funny because they talk about the Lannisters. Is it like, do they think like Larry is a player in this? Or are they talking about like Tyrek's wife, who's like a year old baby? Or like, what Lannisters are they talking about? They're all dead. The Lannisters. Because <laughs> they killed, uh, it, it's anyone who had a hand in Oberyn's death, right? They're all dead. Every single well, person on that dais, other than uh, other than Carol, dead. So they Mace Tyrell is Carol. dead. Tywin is dead. Pycelle is dead. Everyone who was there is dead. 
<laughs> I guess they just want the Lannisters out of power. I mean, to be fair, in the books, uh-huh. you know, Tywin's dead and Doran still wants to move against the Lannisters. Well, yeah, well, there's, there's like, actual Lannisters involved. But there's, like, you know, Kevin and all other bannermen. Uh-huh. And they don't seem to have, like, any, like, uh, they have, like, the Lannister army, but they don't talk about, like, the Lords of the West or anything like that. It's weird. Okay, well, it's the, exactly the same, Joya. Mm-hmm. So, Elena then starts talking about how she wants revenge, not survival, or something like that. Mm-hmm. I forget like, why. Survival well, because Alaria says that they need to have an alliance if they want to survive. And Elena says, "I, I want, I want to revenge, not survival." Mm-hmm. So she outright says what she wants. Yeah, I mean, like, and like in terms of like revenge on Game of Thrones, like this kind of makes the most sense because she's like, you know, she's an old lady, and like literally her entire family she's is dead. She's an old lady. Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so she's like, you know, like I have nothing left, like to build off of. <laughs> like so, yeah. Like just, just let's fuck them up. I mean, that's probably the most reasonable revenge plot there is so far. So then, Falaria says, "I it is not survival. I offer it. It is your heart's desire." <laughs> and then Elena says, "And what is my heart's desire?" And I say. Fuck you. But then... Well, no, also, okay. There's two very important things we're glossing over. Uh-huh. Number one, Elena says, what is my heart's desire? After she just told everyone what she wanted. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, you you didn't mention Falaria ringing a bell. I was about to, actually. Were you? Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah, she well, has a little bell the on the, like, armrest of her chair that she picks up and rings. Like, like ringing for the butler. <laughs> Or, or like, you know, like when, when you're like a kid and you're sick and you're not allowed to leave your bed. So your mom is like, here, ring this bell if you need anything. So then like you ring it all day and like at like 10 o'clock, your mother like takes the bell away. Yeah. I just, this was nominated for Carol Award for the best prop. Yeah. I voted for it. Yeah, but... I think I did too, actually. Yeah. Shireen Stag was pretty epic though. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> so Varys decides it's kind of nifty to respond to the bell. <laughs> So, I see. Like, he's there representing, like, you know, the queen who is claiming to be these people's overlord. And, and he responds to a bell. <laughs> so, so it goes, and what is my heart's desire? Ring, ring. And then Falaria goes, vengeance, justice. I think she says vengeance first, right? Mm-hmm. Vengeance, justice. And then Varys comes out from, like, behind a curtain. Yeah. Goes, Fire and blood. <laughs> And then the scene is over. And then the scene is over. <laughs> and we crossfade. We crossfade to Judge Hand. <laughs> Just like the baby crossfade. <laughs> mm. Lots of crossfades to that episode. Yeah. So, yeah, that's all the Dorn scenes. And man, we managed to talk about them for 15 minutes. <laughs> we have skills. <laughs> I think I think we have to. I'm sorry. I think we have to explain the book dialogue that was just garbled. That we okay, yeah. It's um our favorite part of our favorite chapter in the book series. So we're a little bit like um this is a conversation that I have picked apart line by line, like in an obsessive fashion. And I don't like. I think I might actually know it by heart. Okay. Here here here's the thing. In our first podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the feed, which is just called like porn retrospective or something yeah. like that. It doesn't even have a number because I didn't start numbering them yet. We discuss in very decent detail mm. what the A Feast for Crows, The Dance with Dragons, Dorn plotline is all about in the books. Yeah. So I don't want to retread too much of that because I know you guys have heard us say it. And what Julie and I have basically said the takeaway is 
and jump in if I'm saying anything wrong. Okay. Because it's been a while since I've had to shrink this down to a paragraph. But it's a family drama mm-hmm. centered around Ariane and her quest for her birthright, both politically but also personally mm-hmm. as her father's heir. Because they both have a shared flaw of miscommunication and misunderstanding each other. Mm-hmm. So that sort of pit them against each other but it's it's like the actual politics that they're dealing with in the war at the lannisters that's more or less in the background compared to their relationship with one another mm-hmm. it's, and it's all about the intersection of the political and the personal and when is it okay to you know take personal aims and turn that into political action yeah and stuff like that so the, the conversation joy is talking about happens in the princess in the tower yeah. chapter I almost said Princess on the Sunday. It's one of my fanfics. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, you know, basically, Ariane thinks that her father means to replace her as his heir. He does not, yeah. but she has decent reasons to think this. She moves against him and is going to, like, crown Marcella as queen, and it's supposed to be this sort of symbolic thing. You know, Dorne is all about equal primogeniture. Here is us crowning Marcella, mm-hmm. and this political situation will allow her to rise up as the titular leader of Dorne, yeah. and thus, like, solidify her place. And if she wasn't even going to kill her dad. She was just going to have him, like, live out his days yeah. in the water garden. she would never do that. <laughs> he catches her. He locks her up for two or three months, right? And the conversation Joy is talking about is when he finally agrees to see her after she, like, starts a hunger strike. Yeah. Because he, he needs her to do something. He needs her to talk to Marcella so she doesn't narc on them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because uh, Marcella, like, worships the ground area and walks on as far as we can tell. And and so much of this conversation is just about them hashing out mm-hmm. their, like, ten years of issues that they never talked about and how Ariane kind of thinks that Doran hates her. Mm-hmm. But what we end up getting is the reveal, right, that Doran has been working at the downfall of the Lannisters, he's not just sitting back and doing nothing. He's not and as passive Arya- as you think, but also not as passive as he seems, to, uh, not as unpassive as he seems to think he is, but you know, he's Doran. Um. Yeah, and, <laughs> and that Ariane is also central to these plans. Mm-hmm. Um, and originally he had meant for her to be queen. Yeah, Mary but... Viserys Targaryen, if you remember him. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so what he ends up saying is that, like, because she, cause she's suspicious her brother's missing, and she, th- you know, again, she thought her brother was going to replace her. So she's like, where's my brother gone? And Doran tells her, he's gone to fetch us our heart's desire. Mm-hmm. So when she I mean, this is basically after she's heart- given him an ultimatum, like, tell me everything, or, like, kill me. Kill me? Yeah, because, like... We can't live like this anymore. <laughs> so, needless to say, the context of this conversation is a little bit different in the books. And when Ariane is asking, "What is our heart's desire?" It's because she actually she wants know. to know. She's just because she's just what basically like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> what are these plans? Yeah. When Oleta asks, "What is our heart, my heart's desire?" I don't even know what she's asking. I. She's asking, like, how well were you listening to me three seconds ago? I I don't even know. Yeah, maybe this is, like, a ped- pedagogical strategy. <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> so, yeah, we, we just had to, like, explain why we were giggling so much when we were saying this in this context. Because mm-hmm. it just, it not only makes no sense, but it's just, like, any meaning that there was in that conversation is just gone. Yeah. It's just gone. And I have to think, you know, in D&D's mind, Dorn allies with deadpan mm-hmm. is the same as you know doran trying to ally with danny yeah we, we actually don't know how that's going to turn out so 
No, but they scrapped Fagon, and yeah. like we can pretend that he's another. And they scrapped Quentin too. Yeah, but we can pretend like even even if what whatever we don't know how it's going to turn yeah. out, but we do know that that's at least the motivation for the Martells. Yeah, is to ally with Targaryens. Yeah. So now the motivation for the Ullers, <laughs> the Sands, the Martells. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe she legitimized them as Oberyn's kid. Like. Uh, I don't know so is, is the I'm point. So we have no idea. I don't know. Remember Did we decided guards... that we were going to have a band one day called Over to the Sands? <laughs> I don't think we ever found our Oberyn. Hmm. That was the issue. Yeah. Oh, well. So how do you want to analyze this? <laughs> I mean, the question that we were asking is, like, whose side are we supposed to be on? Like, are we supposed to be sympathetic towards Falaria? Um... Are we supposed to see them as villains? Well, I talk about this in my fallacy part three. Mm-hmm. Maybe part two also. I think we are definitely supposed to sympathize with Elena. Yes. Because I know that Cersei is a bad person because they tell us she is. Yes, constantly. <laughs> and Deadpan is good because they tell us she is. That's true. And because she doesn't like slavery. Mm-hmm. So. She does have that going for her. <laughs> She does. She abhors slavery. Here we go. Just like Michelle Bachman. Um, it's kind of a low bar, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, even in, even in this is like, you know, call it values dissidents, but even in a society where like slavery is acceptable, like being against slavery is kind of a low bar. <laughs> Especially with Weiser, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I, I, I think we have to, Olena has to be a good guy. Okay. And then Olena's allying with these people, but Olena's sassy about it, right? Mm-hmm. And she doesn't like them. So they're kind of a necessary evil, maybe? I don't, like, the thing about the whole thing where you say that Olena's supposed to be a good guy, like, sometimes I think that, like, they revel in this whole, like, no one's a good guy thing. Okay, do you think that, do you think they're doing that well? No. There's very few things they do well. Okay. <laughs> they have nice blood effects. Um, I I refuse to believe that we, the audience, moral ambiguity or no, mm-hmm. I refuse to believe that we, the audience, are not supposed to be rooting for Deadpan to triumph. Okay, but does that mean especially, especially does that mean we're supposed to be rooting for Valaria when she smashed the patriarchy, or whatever she did? I don't see how that's possible. So when she murdered Prince Bashir, we weren't supposed to be cheering for her. I don't see how that's possible. But people were. Okay, uh, but then there's also people that, like, cheer for Ramsay, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm not so much thinking about reception as I'm thinking about intent. Okay. And, I mean, we have Bashir, like, all he wants is for his people not to be hurt, mm-hmm. you know? How unreasonable of him. So they're trying to, like, and we were supposed to like Madison. Mm-hmm. I think we're supposed to like Larry. So he was allying with the reasonable Lannisters, right? Yeah. Madison is Marcella, by the way. <laughs> yes, yeah, you didn't cover that. Yeah, Madison, uh, Tom, Tom, and Chase. Yeah, right? I some I kind of think of Tom, Tom as Larry Junior sometimes too. Oh, is this suburban AU? <laughs> I hope that Larry has a better end than that. Yeah, well, but uh, I mean, God, you know, I just keep thinking about. There was someone that was saying that it was D&D cleaning up their mess from last year, the mm-hmm. opening scene. Yeah. And good guy Garland is this one commenter over on Westeros.org, and he's 
problematic. Hmm. But he had one comment that was just so on point, which is, this isn't cleaning up a mess. This is moving the furniture <laughs> and taking a dump in the middle of the floor. <laughs> well, yeah, it kind of is. Because... Because whether we were supposed to be cheering for them, you have to remember, no one likes these characters. No, no one likes these characters. So what's the conclusion? So, <laughs> I don't see how a reasonable person mm-hmm. with a working brain could be cheering for them. I don't. So they're villains. Yes. Okay. Yeah, they they stab Tristan through the back of the head. Yeah, they're villains. They're villains. So you don't think that there was supposed to be, like, all these, like, sorts of feminist implications to the first episode? No. No? I mean, the theme of the season is women on top, and it's just shoving women into these, like, roles of authority, even when there's no logic behind it, Mm -hmm. right? But, like, maybe it's feminist in the sense of women can be evil, too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I think... The people that are calling this feminist mm-hmm. are the people that have an agenda to already be calling Game of Thrones feminist. Okay. Because, can, can you just tell me what is empowering about, like, why why is being violent and terrible supposed to be a good thing? Like, Because they get the to rule now. Saying, right, it's the same way that people were saying, like, Cheryl is like, a, oh, this is so empowered of Cheryl. But, like, no, she's a fucking villain. Mm-hmm. She's a, like, people don't run around calling, you know, Corella DeVille <laughs> empowered. Like, she was enterprising, wasn't she? <laughs> she was. But she was horrible, you know? It's not feminist to be murdering people. It, what, I mean, it what, could be, but this isn't. <laughs> in this case, no. no. You don't want to make blanket statements. But <laughs> okay, okay. In most cases, it's not feminist to be murdering people. Oh, God. <laughs> we really don't like making blanket statements, you guys. Um... Like, but I don't know. It's just why did they? Why did they think we would like this? Like, I kind of think this is a big fuck you. What what I can't figure out is why they are teaming up with Elena Deadpan because there's no way we're supposed to like them. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. There's not, and I don't see how they're necessary. Like we said the same thing about the Iron Boar. Like in terms of like you know Deadpan's coalition. (laughs) Well, and, and they brought spoilers, ships. Spoilers from the next season. Just It's kind of like this season all over again in terms of how the donors are going to be treated. What do you mean? Like they're just going to get rid of them really early. Which spoiler are you referring to? The spoiler where they get killed by Euron. Right. And like quite early in the season. Yeah, well, here's the thing. <laughs> D&D don't know how to plan. Mm-hmm. So... But why did, why did they throw this in? I think they did this so that Oleta seemed proactive, but why couldn't she have met with Varys on her own? That would have been perfect, actually. Yeah, like, why couldn't that have happened? Why did we have to see these two assholes again? Or four assholes. Who worked for exactly one day, by the way. <laughs> what? Yeah, they, they did, like, they worked for one day for this season. Oh, the actors. Yeah. I thought he meant, like, the characters. Like, um, I guess, like, they have a job, sure. I don't, I don't know. The only thing I can think is that they were using them as a fucky to the audience mm-hmm. in episode one, but then in episode ten, no, like, we're supposed to be excited about Danny. Yeah. The, the season ends with her sailing. So, yeah. obviously, we were supposed to be really excited with, about With, like, lots of so Jordan ships. why the hell? 
Right. So, so why would you include this? If that's your well, goal. Well, they want her to have like a broad coalition, right? Maybe they do think this is feminist and the idea is look at these badass women. Yeah. I think that's what it's supposed to be. Which brings me back to the first episode. And is this supposed to be like a giant feminist smashing the patriarchy moment where we fist bump? We fist pump because Doran really was a weak man. Yeah. Because I think now that I'm thinking through it, yeah, you know, Deadpan's coalition is her, Yara, Falaria, and Elena. Elena. So it's all badass ladies doing what they need to do. Yeah, you got, they got to get uh, Fansa on board. All right. No, she's going to be like <laughs> busy being petty or something. Which Sansa personality is that at the end? Oh, she's been Field Marshal, Field Marshal Sandra Snark for a while. Okay, Field Marshal Sandra Snark. <laughs> or Brittany. Mm. <laughs> Either way, it's fine. No, we like Brittany. <laughs> I like Brittany. Brittany disappears. Sandra Snark is the one who can't convince anyone of anything. Yeah. And just kind of sits but, there while people steal her throne from under her. But this was the Field Marshal. Yeah. Or or she became Asna's Kratz again when she murdered Ramsey. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We need a chart for the Winter Hell Redux. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do a uh, I'll do a flowchart like I do. <laughs> is there anything else to discuss? Um, how is this different from the books? Are you joking? The you know, I mean, they both want to ally with a Targaryen. That, yeah, well, that's about it. And I guess if that's so the same. all that's important to you, then you're pretty happy. I don't know. My question is like. Okay, so the Dornish are getting killed off early. Apparently. Apparently. Allegedly. Mm-hmm. But why didn't they just get Doran on board with this? Because they wanted the women on top, Yeah, right? I guess so. Oh my god, no. I think this was supposed to be feminist now. <laughs> How? I don't know, Kylie. The, they have a- this is like evil cartoon. Like, there's no way anyone would look at the murder of Tristane and be like, yeah, those girls... Get some. Like, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> but they're so badass, Kylie. Weak men will never rule Dorn. And we're just supposed to take that at face value. Yeah, well, like, the he guards- was bad at his job, and they're, like, more qualified. So they, like, you know. The guards didn't want weak a weak man ruling Dorn either. Nope. I mean, who would? You know, weak men. I am offended. You're offended. Yeah. You want to feel better? Is- yeah. Talk about that interview that Elton and Sidney gave. <laughs> Okay, so after Alexander Sittig was killed off, first of all, he posted a picture to Instagram of him taking a shit on the Iron Throne. <laughs> like, his his, pa- his pants were pulled down. Yeah. He gave this interview, which is, it, it was almost as meta as, uh, uh, what's his name? Stephen Delane? Yeah. Stannis? Talking about or how like he's Ian, just, what's, like, what's his face? Somebody, um, the man who played, uh, Barris. Ian, Mc- Ian McKellany. Yeah, he, he plays, uh. Barry. Yeah, very scary. Uh, somebody asked him on Twitter, why does the show suck so much? And he answered, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but and, and he was also like talking about how, oh, I really think Barristan has more of a part to play mm-hmm. in Danny's role. Like he was he wrote a letter, a very thoughtful letter explaining why he wasn't like disposable yet mm-hmm. to Betty Offenweiss, which is the most meta thing that someone playing Barry could do. <laughs> <laughs> then Stephen Delane, who plays Stannis, was like, I don't know. I've never understood the appeal of the show or my character. <laughs> which is the most meta thing someone playing, you know, Stannis could do. And then Alexander Sidding, playing Doran, was just like, first of all, they signed me on for four se- for four episodes, and then they just cut my contract. And it's like, wow, you're really not spending those resources wisely. Because they paid him for four episodes. <laughs> they paid him for four episodes. And then he's like, yeah, you know, a lot of it, I was just looking around like, wow, you're really throwing money around here. <laughs> 
course, the actor who plays Doran is only concerned about how wasteful and inefficient they're being. <laughs> like, this is a failure of leadership the right here. What? It's a failure of leadership right here. Oh my god. Oh god. It's so good. I love Alexander Sinek for that forever. Yeah. Um, I, I really, I honestly don't think there's much more to say. These are two scenes packed with crap, mm-hmm. and I think, I think we actually do have to be not on the sand fake side, right? Because yeah. we're supposed to agree with Elena that they're annoying, but I think we are supposed to sympathize with Falaria taking the patriarchy into her own hands. Yeah, that's what she did. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck she did. Why is she ruling? I don't know what's happening. It's gonna be a big moot point, but. Yeah. No, I just want to know if she's the princess now. Like, I want someone to call her princess or not. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like the king of ooh. <laughs> I'm the princess now. You're the princess? <laughs> she gonna wear Doran's bath, like, bathrobe or something? <laughs> Tell everyone! Oh, <laughs> uh, no. I just want to watch Adventure Time, which has better world building. Yeah. By a lot. Yeah. There's consistency. At least there's an election. <laughs> but monarchies are not democracies. Well, this was a popular uprising of the people overthrowing the patriarchy. Yes. Which is kind of a... Again, act, I know, acts, acts of violence earn you political positions, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the other theme of the season. Deadpan burns down a holy place, gets all the worshippers to follow her. Yes. Uh, Cheryl burns down King's Landing, gets everyone left to follow her. And, and the Sept in King's Landing gets everyone to follow her. Filaria murders her own family, kind of. Uh, own family by marriage or quasi-marriage, you know? Mm-hmm. The uh, her, her daughter's uncle. She murders him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and she, you know, gets off porn. And then John is awarded the North for swinging a sword. Very, very well. Not that well. <laughs> all things considered. Yeah. <laughs> it was Fansa that... Sandra that saved the day. Mm-hmm. God, what a sack of crap! <laughs> I don't know how many times I could say this. No, just like uh, there's just not much to this. I mean, like we could not talk about it, but we easily could have not talked about it. <laughs> and just, just like I the idea that there's like this like giant coup in Dorne and nobody cares for the entire season. Yeah. And, Until like, like read about what Elena mentioned, like remembers. Oh, Larry mentioned something about how these crazy women have taken over Dorne. Let's go down there. Like, what? <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like Carol would care who murdered Marcella. <laughs> exactly. It's not like she threatened to burn all their cities to the ground if they harmed her. She burned the cities to the ground. That was foreshadowing. Oh, it's foreshadowing. Oh wait, spoiler. She teams up with Euron, right? Apparently. So, there you go. Mas que tarde que nunca. Oh, is that what her motivation is going to be? I don't know. Like, 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 you know, they had the, they had the, um, Maggie the Fox flashback and they did nothing with it and then they mentioned it at the beginning of the next season. (laughs) 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 It made all the sense. There's nothing else we can say, Julia. We just have to go into an outro because that's all there is to porn. Yeah. Oh, oh, checklist or hospital. Um, che- I mean, like, it seems clear that, like, the Dornish are going to ally themselves with some kind of Targaryen. Mm-hmm. Like, 
those are really the two options. I guess, like, there's the Dornish independence option, but, like, even that would require some kind of, like, understanding of the Targaryen. So, Do you think Doran will get murdered? Possibly, but not by anyone like that. Like... <laughs> what, his guards just... Yeah. <laughs> oh, good God. Like, Hota could easily die, mm-hmm. but not like that. Yeah, not by getting stabbed with a tiny knife. <laughs> or by a sand snake. Mm-hmm. I think he gets get killed by a sand snake. You think Ober is going to kill him? No, but it's po- like it's possible. We have to play checklist or Aspel, so let's just go through the questions. All right, dear. Checklist or Aspel, the Martell's ally with the Targs? Checklist. Okay. Checklist or Aspel, Doran dies? It's not an Aspel, but it's not necessarily checklist. Like... Julia? Doran dies, just like full stop? Full stop, checklist. Doran dies. Okay, same. That's my answer, too. Checklist or Aspel, Doran is murdered. Aspel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm inclined to agree. Checklist or Aspel, Hota is murdered. Aspel. I'm gonna go with Checklist. <sighs> I have faith in Darkstar. <laughs> okay. Checklist or, checklist or Aspel, Tristane is murdered. I don't think anything's gonna happen to Tris. You say Aspel? Aspel. Uh, I want to say Aspel, but I don't know. I'll say it. I'll say Aspel. Okay. okay, checklist or Aspel, Arianne will betray Doran in some way. That's too vague. I want to say Aspel, obviously, if I understand her character at all, but shit can happen. I don't know. <laughs> she will murder him. No, that's an Aspel. <laughs> I know. Anything else? Uh... Yeah, it's so packed. Um, they ally with the Tyrells? I mean, they could be, like, in the same alliance, I guess. I think it's an asshole. Yeah? Yeah, I do. I don't think the Tyrells are going to be quite as, like, fandom favorite-ish in the book. Like, mm-hmm. I, mean. I think they're going to have what's coming to them, too. You yeah. Know? Uh, we know that they're going to play, like, a, a bigger reason, role uh, in the next books. What? They're gonna play like a bigger role in the next books. Yeah, but there's also oh right because we're gonna see Highgarden. I don't know. There's a reason Danto said that they're exactly the same mm-hmm. as Lannisters, though. You know. Yeah. Anything else? God, I don't know. What else could there be? Mm-hmm. Not enough happened. Yep. Checklist or Aspel? Doran has a bell. I mean, <laughs> there's nothing else, dude. Mm. Is there anything you can think of that I'm missing? No, I really suck at Checklist or Aspel. I know, oh, and you hate it. I do hate it. It's my favorite. It's my favorite segment that we do. Now we're just gonna have to wrap up. Mm-hmm. All right. Um. So, like, by the time you listen to this, our retrospective's already out and probably a lot more contained than whatever <laughs> this was. But we do, you know. Again, Julia and I do have to have these uh, conversations anyway. Mm-hmm. So we would just as soon record it. Hopefully, there's some entertainment value, if nothing else, to hear us fly off the handle about this kind of stuff. <laughs> He would never do that. <laughs> we are going to try at some point to work in a book-only episode into mm-hmm. this feed. Because but, um, Patriarchy Brain. A- yeah, Patriarchy Brain, a.k.a. Catlin. Mm-hmm. But, uh, because because mostly, you know, we're going to be writing these retrospectives into April. Mm-hmm. And there's no way we can push that timeline up. We- we've looked at it, but... Yeah, like- I mean, unless we do, like, them one after another without any kind of, like, you know, breaks to intellectually recover. Sounds- absolutely terrible yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah i mean next up is going to be bran and the amazing exposition trees mm-hmm. i'm really excited to revisit the tower of joy yeah i'm kind of excited about this one actually <laughs> and hodor gate it's gonna be a hot mm-hmm. mess you get to talk about um 
just like some stuff that I actually want to talk about. Yeah. You didn't want to talk about Arya? Northern mysticism stuff. Oh, right. Of course I want to, I always want to talk about Arya. We talk about Arya literally like every day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even if it's just to say like, I'm Martell spiraling. Right yeah. Now, in some facet, she comes up in our conversation. And if we're not talking about her, we're talking about her grandma. So. <laughs> we're probably talking about her grandma more yeah. lately, but yeah. We've picked Ariane a little bit clean. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, if you guys can do us a giant favor and leave us a rating or review on iTunes, yep. just look us up on a Bash Book Snobbery. The reviews help us a lot. They do. Uh, especially like pre the next Game of Thrones season because we're probably going to be like covering that on the feed. Yes. We haven't made that decision yet, but that it does seem like the most likely it, thing. It's looking that yeah. direction and it makes the most sense in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're able to do that, that would be awesome. Even if it's a review that says that we're just full of salt and the worst people ever, <laughs> and we're not as clever as we think we are. I hate, we don't think we're very clever. No, we're Martins. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not. Don't put any value in ourselves at all. <laughs> I, mean, it does, I know that doesn't really come off you know, the way we talk. No, we, well, we, we seem like we have very strong opinions mm-hmm. that we're asserting. And we do, but we also have no faith in ourselves. <laughs> This is why we suck at the checklist or asshole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and other than that, you can check out our ratings on thefandamentals.com. Mm-hmm. I hope you will. Can Filari and the Fakes be a uh, band? Yes. Filari and the Fakes can definitely be a band, as long as I get to be Filaria. Of course. I, would. I wouldn't have it any other okay. way. And, I mean, you have all the stuff of a lead singer, so. I do. I really Okay, I have we will the talk to you guys. <laughs> we will talk to you guys next time. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. I haven't eaten anything. Julia. I can't. You're that I, I can't finish this protein shake. Oh, girl. What were you drinking? Everything. Oh, I was God. drinking all the things. So you were mixing your alcohols? Yeah. So you did everything wrong? Yeah. <laughs> but think about the meat, the stories you'll have. Like the pizza fight or whatever. <laughs> yeah, they threw pizza at her and she, like, threw it back. And then the police came. <laughs> It's so funny to me that in Canada, police come to break up pizza fights. <laughs> like, in America, they, I don't know, join in or something.